HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Happy New Year from Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. You are listening to the first episode of 2015 and the first episode of Season 3. I am Laura Stanley, and it is so great to be back. Um, There's going to be a whole lot going on at School Food this year, both in the headlines and behind the scenes. So stick with us if you want to keep up to date and hear insights from some of the most thoughtful and constructive people working in the field. Speaking of which, uh, we are kicking off the new year today with the help of a very special guest. Um, I suspect that many, maybe most listeners are already acquainted with Dale Hayes, the social media impresario behind the School Meals That Rock movement, which happens across multiple platforms, uh, Dale's blog and e-newsletter, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Um, Dale is a registered dietitian who lists passionate nutrition consultant as her job title on LinkedIn. I love that. Uh, Based in Billings, Montana, her work with school districts and food industry clients goes coast to coast. Uh, And over the years, Dale has accumulated many awards for her leadership in school flu, uh, including the Montana Dietitian of the Year Award, the American Dietetics Association Award for Excellence in Consultation and Business Practice, the Silver Fame Award as a friend of child nutrition from the School Nutrition Association. Uh, Personally, I admire Dale for her championship of progressive solutions that really work. Um, When I read her posts or I listen to her on a webinar, I'm very taken with her kind of, you know, clear-eyed, yes-you-can approach to problem-solving. It's it's very yes-you-can because others before you have done it and take a look. And, and then she opens up this treasure box of examples, uh, most of which she shared online. So um, we're going to be talking about some of those today. So hey there, Dale. Happy New Year. 
Thank you so much, Laura, and thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> um, so as a nutrition consultant, you wear a lot of hats, um, but most of us know you through your presence on social media. Uh, wh- when did that start for you, all the, the blogging and the tweeting and the, and the pinning? Well, I think it started probably uh, when my children got onto uh, social media and I wanted to see what it was all about. But in terms of my work and uh, school meals, it's really been since about 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized quite early on that it had the power of the picture behind it. And we all have heard that, you know, a photo's worth a thousand words, but in fact, I think these days, you know, a photo can be worth 10,000 views, and it's the pictures that I believe really inspire, that I know inspire me, and I think also inspire others. Right, right. I, I mean, you, you, you've got to be like the nation's number one cheerleader for social media as a tool for promoting constructive thinking and, you know, problem solving and school food. I mean, what... what what drives your enthusiasm for it? And, and, and you know, and are, do you think that districts are using it enough? I think districts are beginning to use it enough. I mean, uh, last, you know, even a year ago, I would have said, you know, there's only a handful of people on Twitter and maybe, you know, two dozen who are on Facebook. And now sometimes I think uh, maybe I can work myself out of a job. Uh, not that I want to be out of a job, but really what I would like to see is that districts are promoting themselves online. I think that they've been um, uh, hamstrung by a couple of things. One is that schools themselves were kind of late to getting on Facebook and recognizing mm-hmm. these. Um, promotional possibilities. Um, But the other thing is, and I think anybody who's worked in school nutrition realizes that um, many school nutrition directors don't have the self-confidence to um, to get on and and really be, you know, saying great, tooting their own horn. Um, And a lot of the bashing that goes on around school meals makes them even more hesitant to take those steps. Right, right. But, but you know, you, you argue that this is, you know, the number one tool for counteracting that bashing because social media is where the critics are, right? A- absolutely. I always tell people two things. Number one, your customers are on social media. That's why you need to be there to tell them what's going on. But your critics are also on social media. And if you have a different view of things, that's where you need to be presenting that view. Right, right. And then your own... Um, Social media activity has a huge reach now. Do you have any idea how many followers you've got? Well, I am uh, quite pleased with my metrics for the end of 2014. Uh, I have over 10,000 followers on School Meals That Rock, on Facebook, on Pinterest. uh, I'm up over Mm -hmm. 2,350. Twitter uh, is about in the same um, vein. So uh, I consider that to be a substantial reach. And when I look at not just the numbers, uh, but um, how many interactions there are, I can really see the topics that people are interested in and the things that, that get people excited. Right, right. And and then I, I wanted to ask you, and this is really what got me thinking that I wanted to have you on for the first episode of the year, because you launched this campaign um, for the whole month of December, hashtag Real School Food. Um, and that, that was to uh, counteract the hashtag Thanks Michelle Obama campaign. Can you, can you tell us what happened? 
Yes. Well, um, uh, thanks, Michelle Obama. You know, sort of the latest iteration of things that pop up where people are. And in this case, it was, you know, allegedly students who would pop up and, and post pictures of the terrible meals that they were being served. Well, I, I think in some cases those might have been meals that weren't exactly um, ideal, but in many cases they were meals that were made to look not so ideal, mm-hmm. or they were old pictures that were dredged up from places. So my hashtag, Real School Food, is just to take a look at what really is being served in schools. And I want to emphasize served because there is always the opportunity for students to refuse certain items. One of the things that has been done and has longstanding rule in terms of reducing waste is not to make students take everything that's on the line. Mm -hmm. So a lot of how a tray looks especially in older grades, is, is up to a student rather than what, are opportun- what is there for them to choose. And when people see what is there for students to choose, not just in entrees and sides, but in truly amazing produce bars, I think that's when people begin to go, aha, it's there. It's finding ways to not just plan it, not just prepare it, and not just serve it, but to get it into kids that we have to be taking a look at. Yeah, yeah. And, and what were some of the, I mean, there were like a lot of really exciting posts through the month of December. It was, what are some of your favorites um, that went out for the, as part of that campaign? Well, one of the ones that I really liked a lot was um, looking at uh, a real school heroes. I mean, I talk a lot about the fact that people who work in school nutrition are basically unsung heroes. Um, and, and, you know, the bashing doesn't help at all, but there are people who are just doing remarkable things. And one of my heroes is the chef Robert Roussan. Robert is from, um, you know, mid-America in um, Maplewood Heights, Richmond, Missouri. And, you know, he has a brick pizza oven. He gets uh, local pork to make his pulled pork sandwiches. He's done a remarkable job with adding mushrooms to meals. I mean, just sort of all of the um, aspects of real school food that we want to see Robert is doing. And, you know, a lot of people know about him, but but a lot of people don't as well. So it, it was an opportunity uh, to talk about that. I have to say my other favorite one was really about pizza. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pizza on your on your website. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I, I will be completely transparent and tell you that I love pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but children love pizza, and and to <clears throat> imply that pizza across the board, excuse me, is somehow a bad food is really to do a disservice to what's going on in terms of school pizza. I mean, first of all, it now has to meet certain guidelines in terms of, you know, a crust that's whole grain and low-fat cheeses and all those kinds of things. But when you see what people are, how far beyond that people are going, it's really remarkable. And my favorite one was a rainbow flatbread veggie pizza. So yeah. it was made on flatbreads. It had... Um, broccoli, yellow peppers, red peppers, and red onions, along with uh, low-fat mozzarella cheese and a little bit of um, uh, tomato sauce. So what you saw literally was a rainbow on each of these flatbreads. 
And it was made at Quaker Valley Schools in Pennsylvania, you know, a district that very few people have ever heard of or mm-hmm. would recognize, but has a director who, who has this passion and commitment to serve things like a rainbow veggie pizza to her students. Yeah, and, and, I, and I have to say that the not just the Quaker Valley pizza, which I remember that photo really well. It was really exciting. But um, you have a whole board um, on your Pinterest page, which we'll talk about shortly, which is featuring um, some really, really exciting creative pizzas. And it's completely mouthwatering. It's just so exciting. Um, but, you know, Dale, I... I just want to point out that, you know, when I Google the hashtag thanks Michelle Obama campaign, I, I found so many headlines from all over the country, you know, newspapers, television, major wire services, everyone covered that campaign, you know, even though it was kind of small, and it really sort of fizzled, it was treated as major news. And I, I just, I just want to I don't understand why good news about school food is so much harder to sell to the press than the negative stuff. You know, what's going on with that? Well, I think there are probably a couple of reasons. One thing in general is that bad news, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. So mm-hmm. um, there's, there's sort of that overriding issue. But when I come to really dig a little more deeply and explore sort of who covers that, um, or who really picks up on it, a lot of times it'll be a um, a news outlet that has a certain agenda. So in this case, and I think it's it, we, we have to talk about the elephant in the room is that, um, or the elephant in the cafeteria, if you will, is that um, school meals have become highly politicized. Mm-hmm. And that Michelle Obama had a lot, has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, the good news is that as First Lady, this was the issue that she took on and, and took on in a very passionate way. But then that opened up the opportunity for a lot of people who perhaps didn't like the administration in general or had a different political agenda to go after school meals, not so much because of school meals, but because um, they were the First Lady's platform. So yeah. mm-hmm. I do think that that's uh, that's one of the reasons. And I have found, um, especially among more balanced outlets, um, a greater uh, a greater view now of, of presenting some of the positive stories or talking about the, the basic reality of, you know, schools are serving these wonderful things. How are we going to get them into children? So, you know, I, I'm beginning to see that, for example, a great example was the piece that Jane Brody did in the New York Times, mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe it was on December 20th, and she really talked about the research showing that the meals that parents pack from home don't even come close to meeting the nutrition standards that school meals have to um, uh, uh, adhere to. And, and, you know, to have that powerful voice in the New York Times makes a big difference. It certainly does, and I'm glad you reminded me about that, Dale, because I will include that um, a link to Jane Brody's article on today's show page, because I, I think listeners would, I mean, it, it, that was big news, actually, and it was great that um, Jane Brody um, brought that to the attention on the uh, op-ed page, or rather the, uh, the health section of the New York Times. Um, and, and I also want to say that on your Pinterest board, you've got a whole section about, you know, um, a compilation of, of good news about school food, uh, which counteracts 
so much of the negativity we're exposed to. So I encourage our listeners to take a look at that as well. Um, you know, so onto the Pinterest boards. I mean, in talking about your December campaign, we're really just scratching the surface. It's when I start mining all the material you've got on Pinterest that I actually get overwhelmed, like in a good way. Um, <laughs> c- can you talk, you know, about what visitors see when they first go to School Meals at Rock on Pinterest? The first thing that they see to me is incredible color. That mm-hmm. that this idea, and I and I think you know a lot of the campaigns like uh, you know hashtag thanks Michelle Obama try to present this sort of you know mystery meat and blah colored food. And when you go and just look at the covers of the boards, what you see is this incredible color and incredible variety. I think the other thing that you that really pops out to me, or I hope pops out to viewers is the freshness of what you see, mm-hmm. that that real school food is increasingly um, local, it's increasingly seasonal, it's increasingly fresh. So, for example, we were talking about pizza. Well, on the pizza board, there's, you know, roasted, a, a pizza that featured roasted local asparagus in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can look at boards that are, to specific districts. Um, many of these I've given to districts as they can post their own photos, or they can go dig deeper into a topic like farm to school or Christmas food or the, the positive nutrition stories you mentioned earlier. You know, I'm trying here to to both show the, the variety, the breadth of something like school salad bars, but also to dig a little deeper into some uh, fun aspects of school nutrition. And those really make a difference in terms of selling real school food to kids. Right. You've got a lot of pictures of um, kind of food sculpture, you know, making cute little animals and their (laughs) Christmas-themed things, which, of course, is totally kid-friendly. And then you've got all these boards, and they all have the That Rock thing going on. So smart snacks in schools that rock, beans, peas, and lentils that rock, um, school pizza that rocks, kale rocks in school meals. Um, And it's just like page after page of food porn. It's just so delicious-looking. It's school food, you know. Often I can't, I have to be careful about posting new things, especially at lunchtime, because then I think, oh gosh, I really would like to go to a school and have lunch. But I want to emphasize a couple of things about the boards is that they are, it isn't just one school district or 10 or even 100 school districts who are doing these things. It's thousands of school districts Mm -hmm. who are both doing, you know, cute snowmen made out of tangerines on their wine, but then are also serving, you know, a wide variety of fruits on a produce bar so that kids can choose from that. So it, it is meant to show how, what, what great variety as well as what creativity people are putting into this. And, and that's what I hope people see when they go there and that they'll browse through. I mean, the other idea for me really is that schools will use it. Um, For example, you know, schools get a a new salad bar from Let's Move Salad Bars to School. Well, then, you know, it's more than just having a salad bar and putting things in it. How do you put the colors? How do you lay out the shapes? How can you make a salad bar that just jumps out at you and makes kids want to eat it? Right, right. And you've got 50 salad bar photos that illustrate that in all kinds of ways. 
Um, and, and there's a recipes that rocks page um, that acquaints people with, you know, multiple so- resources for recipes from industry, from other districts, from states. Um, and then there's even like a nutrition logos let rock page. Um, so for people who need inspiration and in getting a marketing campaign going, there's that. Um, and, and then you have a board that's called School Food Photos That Rock, which is essentially kind of a tutorial for busy people on food styling and photography if they want to, you know, take better pictures to put up on Pinterest. And that's something that, as I said, I would love to work myself out of a job that there was just so much <laughs> beautiful school food yeah. that no one could ever have a, you know, hashtag, um, you know, like the recent ones um, that has been up. But I, I also take that very seriously in terms of doing training. So I have written articles for the SNA magazine, the School Nutrition Association magazine. For example, next Monday, a week from today, I'll be in Maine at the School Nutrition Association meeting there, and I'll be teaching people how to take pictures of their school their, their salad bar, their trays, their cafeteria line with their smartphone. And right. honestly, it takes so little to set up a, a picture that, that is worth a thousand words and everybody's got a smartphone on them. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's really my goal these days is to train other people to do that. Right. So, Dale, I want to go to a station break. Um, um, and when we come back, I want to ask you about two other boards, um, the Invite Katie Couric to School Lunch Board. Uh, and I know you want to talk about the Breakfast Board. Um, so stay with us. You are listening to a conversation with Dale Hayes of School Meals That Rocks on Heritage Radio Network's Inside School Food. break song is At Least I Got My Baby by Camille Hartman. This is HeritageRadioNetwork.org. has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. 
For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Welcome back. Today on Inside School Food, we're speaking with Dale Hayes, the very energetic dietitian behind School Meals That Rock, social media phenomenon. Dale, you know, you've turned me into a Pinterest fan. Before I discovered what you were doing there, I thought Pinterest was a place where people shared photos of their new kitchen cabinets. Really, I had no idea what a powerful tool it could be. Um, so last May, Katie Couric said something about school food on Good Morning America that you and your followers really took exception to. What happened? Well, it was part of her movie set up, which <clears throat> dealt somewhat with school meals, but really had a much larger view. However, um, during an interview on Good Morning America, she said that um, basically school meals were responsible for making kids fat in America and that... Um, schools weren't doing what they needed to do. Well, all it takes is an interview like that, and my, um, you know, email, text, phone, all heat up with, you know, did you hear what Katie Couric said? Um, so I thought about it for a little while, and I thought, you know what, Katie Couric probably hasn't been to many school lunches recently. Um, her daughters go to a private school, which, you know, has a whole different sort of school meal mm-hmm. um, arrangement. So, you know, let's invite her to go to school once. And over time, over the course of uh, the late spring and uh, summer, I invited her to school lunch in every state. And part of that was an effort to show that this is something that's happening everywhere. You know, it isn't just a phenomena in, you know, Berkeley, California and Boulder, Colorado. Um, it's happening in, you know, in mid-America, in the wilds of Alaska and all over the place. And so I invited people to, you know, send me a picture and, and invite Katie Kirk to lunch. And people really got behind it as, as a positive way, again, to showcase what was going on. Um, the upshot was that we never did meet for lunch in the school. I'm still open to that. Um, in fact, I did have a, a Twitter conversation with uh, the producer of her show when she still had the Katie Kirk show. Um, and the producer and I went back and forth a couple of times. But, of course, her uh, show was terminated. She's now working with Yahoo News. Um, but I would still love to take her to lunch. I mean, I told her I'd meet her in any state in the country um, in order to uh, to showcase what schools are doing. But to me, it gave a way for school nutrition folks to, to take a positive action. And also, I think it really underscores the fact that school nutrition directors today are really proud of what they're doing. They're really yeah. proud of the changes they're making. Right, right. And um, I, I love the way you design the board. There's a map that um, shows all the districts that invited Katie Kirk to lunch, um, and there's a lot of them. And you encourage them not just to send pictures but letters. Um, I'll read one of them uh, from Provo, Utah. It says, uh, Dear Katie Kirk, do your taste buds enjoy a bit of spice? We had taco salads today that included made-from-scratch firehouse chili and a made-from-scratch black bean and corn-fresh salsa with fresh cilantro, tomatoes, onions, and our secret ingredient, radishes. And there's a picture of it. So there's many letters like that, and they're, they're very enthusiastic, as you say. Well, and I, I think that really, to me, I mean, all those words <clears throat> that you use there, as well as the picture, really showcase this. That's what real school food is like. That, that is what people are working towards and doing across the country. 
Right, right. So last but not least, I know you're very excited about your breakfast board um, because school breakfast is something that you work on and it's something that you're very passionate about. Um, I, you know, what's, what's happening now in, in school breakfast? It really is a primary growth area for school food, uh, especially last year. It is a primary growth area, Laura, and I think the, the real foundation for that is the research which shows that um, when children eat breakfast, they perform better um, in the classroom during the morning. I mean, what I say to people is breakfast is for learning in the morning, just like lunch is for learning in the afternoon. Children need that fuel. And very sadly, there are many children who come to school across the country in the morning without having breakfast. And in some cases, that's because there's no food in the house. In other cases, it's because their parents, you know, it can be very busy and difficult mm-hmm. to um, get a family out. But, but when a kid is, has not had breakfast, it really doesn't matter so much how good the teacher is, how good the books are, um, because the child doesn't have the fuel that they need. So we're seeing a lot of growth in alternative service models, so a grab-and-go breakfast. We're seeing a lot of breakfast in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, to my mind, it's not so important where we serve breakfast. It is that we serve breakfast and that we make sure that children have enough time to eat it. Right, right. And and, and you told me that you felt that, um, you know, that breakfast will be fundamental to our upcoming discussion around child re- nutrition reauthorization, reauthorization in 2015. What did you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of discussion. As, as we started out our conversation talking about politics, there will be a lot of political discussion around the reauthorization of funding of the programs that serve meals to kids in school. I think there is a lot of uh, academics, research support, and even in some cases people who are less than enthusiastic about school meals support school breakfast because it really has been tied to this performance issue. However, um, honestly, at this point, school breakfast uh, is underfunded based on the regulations. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that the new meal patterns now require Um, certain things at breakfast uh, that uh, more whole grains, uh, more fruit, a cup of fruit available for every child, and that costs money. So those those requirements were done without uh, um, commensurate funding, which therefore is an unfunded mandate and makes it very difficult for schools to balance their budget. Right. And you aren't hardly the first person to say this on Inside School Foods. So I, I, hope, I hope people are listening. Um, the funding is, issue is really critical um, to school breakfast. Um, you know, and, and while we're talking about CNR, I, I just want to say that your statement on the politicization of school food, but you, which appeared on your blog um, last May, to me is like the most helpful and enlightened thing I've read on the subject. Um, so I'm going to be posting a link on today's show page on InsideSchool.com. Um, and, and I'd like to just read a couple of little excerpts right now. Um, and it's, it's longer, so I, I do encourage people to read the whole thing. But what you wrote was, um, I am taking the side, and you put side in quotes, that I know best, one that often gets lost as the food fight heats up. I am supporting those who eat and cook school meals that rock. 
Um, and later on, you say, if I could wave a magic wand, I would ask everyone who cares about kids' nutrition to take a deep breath, step back, and think about how we can truly support school meals that rock. How can we find the middle ground without getting involved in a raucous election year debate that is more about being right than feeding hungry kids? How can we learn from districts that make smart nutrition work, recognizing vast differences among states and communities to help those that are struggling? One nutrition solution does not fit all, but solutions in one district can help to inspire excellence in others. Um, so, Dale, you wrote that seven months ago, and I, I just wonder if you have any further thoughts to add now that that election has passed and CNR is very much on our horizon. Well, I think I still stand on the same side. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that we really do need to <clears throat> step back and focus on uh, the children for whom those meals at school, and we're talking breakfast, lunch, supper, snack, all the meals that are provided to children at school, those meals are going to be fundamental to that child's success. And I mean their success in school academically, um, their success on the playing field, their success in athletics, their success in arts, whatever it is, those children um, rely on school meals in order to to do what they need to do in life. And I think we've, I, I often think back to a, a quote of Nelson Mandela's, which I'll paraphrase here, um, but basically he said that the way that a nation cares for its children reveals its soul. Mm-hmm. And we have some serious problems in terms of how we care for our children. Just look at the poverty rates among um, children uh, versus adults, and those are the children, the children who live in poverty, who are at risk, who really need these meals. And if we could keep that focus um, while we move into CNR and while we have these discussions, that these meals are those short-term solutions to hunger, they're hungry that day, they need a meal, but they're really part of a much longer solution in terms of um, making sure that kids have a successful start in life. Wow, thank you for that, Dale. Those are um, really important thoughts to hold on to and a really fantastic way to start out the year. Um, And Dale, and I can't thank you enough for joining us today and helping us um, start off our third season at Inside School Food. I am so pleased to have joined you, and I look forward to conversations with your listeners uh, in all sorts of social media venues. All they have to do is uh, search School Meals That Rock, and they'll find the things that uh, I am working on. But really, I'm not the one who's doing the work. The work is being done by thousands of really dedicated school nutrition heroes. Right. It, this is true. And and the links you're talking about, um, all of Dale's work, um, I will provide links uh, to it on today's show page at InsideSchoolFood.com. And while you're there, please subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, you know, knowing who is out there listening to the show is a huge, huge help to us. And do not forget that I maintain a really good news feed on Twitter, which is a great way of staying current with what's going on in school food nationwide. And you can sign up for that on InsideSchoolFood.com as well. 
And I am Laura Stanley, producer and host of Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and the theme song for Inside School Food is Numb by Tatstar. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.